0: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: The studio fired up here in the uh, the broadcast empire, the broadcast center that is my basement. I've graduated in my career to doing shows from my basement. Didn't we used to make fun of people that did shows from their basements? Well, welcome to me, and welcome to the Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360. And if you're listening. On a podcast, thank you very much for the download. Much appreciated. Coming up today, um, tour around the NHL. a Busy night around the NHL. uh, Some interesting things, uh, some injuries we should probably get to as well. Uh, Some great performances, uh, some extended winning streaks continue. uh, Some losing streaks continue as well. And I think we're all wondering um, what's going to happen here with the San Jose Sharks, who got pounded again last night. Um, I think we all wonder what's going to happen with the Buffalo Sabres, who thankfully, because there was a storm, um, didn't have many people attend that game last night against the Seattle Kraken. And it's a good thing, too, that many Buffalo Sabres fans were not there because they would not have liked what they saw. Uh, We'll get into that coming up in a couple of moments uh, as well. Uh, On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you think that everybody in the uh, New York area are happy to see the Vancouver Canucks leave? Again, it's one thing to do what they did to the Devils on Saturday. Devils are a very banged-up team right now, as we all know. Um, It's another to do what they did against the New York Rangers at MSG on Wednesday night. That was, for our uh, Monday night, rather, that was... Tuesday, uh, well, yeah, Monday night. Got to get my days mixed up. Um, that was remarkable to do that on the road at MSG against uh, a Ranger team that are considered uh, favorites in the East and potential Stanley Cup contenders. That was remarkable. And then in back-to-backs, do what they did against Ilya Sorokin, one of the best, if not the best, goaltender in the NHL and the rest of the New York Islanders at home yesterday. And we'll get to that coming up in a couple of moments. Uh, Matt Marchese stops by at the bottom of the hour. Greg Wyshynski is here. It is Wednesday. There you go. I have one day right. It's Wednesday, so that means MVSW time. Uh, Jay Harrison, or as we should refer to him, thank you very much, Dr. Jay Harrison will talk to us about a brand-new initiative uh, from the NHL Players Association regarding players and mental health help uh, that is being made available to all of them. Haley Salvian stops by, uh, Sportsnet commentator, and uh, of course uh, working with the PWHL. Uh, we'll get to Haley here in a couple of seconds. One thing that I want to sort of tee up here as, a, as an on-ramp for my conversation here with Haley, um, I don't necessarily cheer for teams right there are some teams that i'm happy for there are some players that i'm happy for uh i'm happy for fans of the winnipeg jets that they get to see this team this season and specifically i'm really happy to see cole perfetti perform the way that cole perfetti is performing now i get that the nickname is stone cole perfetti now in Winnipeg for his absolute refusal to celebrate goals. Um, I'm wondering if he scores a Stanley Cup winner in overtime, will he then celebrate? Uh, This goes back way, way back, like even before he played in junior hockey in the OHL, that Perfetti just doesn't celebrate goals. Stone Cole Perfetti, uh, get to know that nickname. So Perfetti scores two last night against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and you know what stands out? Five seconds left in the game, it's a 5 nothing game. Winnipeg's cruising to victory here, and Cole Perfetti blocks a shot. Five seconds left. You might look at that and say, kid, what are you doing? We cannot afford an injury here, thank you very much, and you're one of our key performers. Five seconds left, Cole Perfetti jumps in front of one. That, to me, stood out more than the, uh, uh, the two-goal performance for Cole Perfetti, uh, to say nothing of the, uh, the shutout for Connor Hellebuck, his 34th of his career, as you bring in Haley Salvian from The Athletic and Hockey Commentator here on Sportsnet. Hello, Haley. Hi, Jeff. How
0: are you?
1: Uh, I am doing well. Uh, what do you have to add? Like top of mind here for you mm-hmm. and the Winnipeg Jets, who just continue to roll. That's seven in a row now for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, every day it seems like we're, you know, flip-flopping top team in the NHL. Once upon a time it was nobody wanted to win the President's Trophy. Now it seems like there's five or six teams uh, that have designs yeah. on the President's Trophy, and Winnipeg is right there at the top.
0: Yeah, it's made standings watching really fun this year too, right? Like it's not just one team kind of yeah. dominating the top. Like last year, you know, the Bruins were just so good last year, and they're good again this year, um, which has been—I wouldn't say a surprise—because their blue line and, and goalie tandem have been were so good that you just knew they were going to be fine again. Although Allmark got hurt yesterday, um, yes. so I guess knock on wood there. But it's been fun to watch. I think the Jets have been, you know, one of those really interesting stories to watch this season. I think um, we've talked about this before, Jeff. I, I think. In the summer, if you just go back to the conversations that we were having about the Winnipeg Jets, um, you know, it was like they were going to be in this total retool or at least a very different looking hockey club, right? Like. At the end of their season last year, the conversations were Mark Scheifele, Connor Hellebuck, Blake Wheeler. You know, they've played their last games for the Winnipeg Jets. Say goodbye. It's been a good run, but things are going to change. And obviously, that's the media saying that. I don't think Kevin Shevelday ever said, like, get out of here, Connor Hellebuck. But those are the conversations that were being had in the media. And obviously, Blake Wheeler, he's with the Rangers now. But... Uh, we end up seeing the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade in the off season, um the kind of surprise matching contracts for Scheifele and Hellebuck. And this team, even though they didn't do as many massive changes, they look like a very different team in their Tops in the NHL. And I think, um, you know, to kind of steal from you, Jeff, it was a bit of an addition by subtraction, maybe going on here a little bit. Yeah. You kind of look at, um, you know, just the impact of the Pierre Luc Dubois trade and, and bringing in Gabe Bellardi. And, you know, he's a guy that didn't play a ton early in the season, you know, somebody who's had some injury issues, but very quickly once yep. he was kind of healthy and playing on that top line, like very good chemistry with Mark Shifley and Nick Ehlers. He's playing on the top power play. He's on pace for career highs in goals and points. Um, and even this, despite the fact that he's missed some time, um, you know, he could still outpace Pierre-Luc Dubois this season. Like Dubois last night for the Kings um, on the fourth line. He ends up playing still around like over 14 minutes. So it's not like he was playing nine minutes and, you know, totally um, irrelevant to what they were doing. Like he played more than their other bottom six forwards. He ended up having a pretty good chance for the game winner late in the third period. But like he's on pace for career lows in goals and points this season, only 16 goals, 36 points in 82 games. Like it's just, it's not good. And I couldn't help but think about Pierre-Luc Dubois when you were talking about Cole Perfetti. And that moment, you know, he scores two mm-hmm. goals and it's great. And then it's in the five seconds at the end of the game, and he's diving down to block a shot. Like, is that something we would have had? Would we have said that about Pierre-Luc Dubois last year? Like, he was never going to be the guy who was throwing the body in, in front of the net to protect a lead late in the game with five seconds left. It's already put away, and like that's the kind of thing yeah. that I think somebody like Cole Perfetti brings to the table. Gabe Valardi is good, power forward, good hands, good finish around the net. Um, so I just, there's a lot to like about this Jets team this year, and it's the Cole Perfetti. It's Mark Scheifele having a very productive season, um, but also being better kind of in all three zones. His, like, total um, <clears throat> statistical package is better, I would say, this year. Um, for lack of a better phrase, I don't mm. even know what that means, honestly. Uh, but the, the stat that I thought was great <laughs> from uh, my friend at The Athletic, Marat Atash, <laughs> she said uh he found this stat, and I think this is... Um, very illustrative of the season that Shifley is having in terms of his complete game is he hasn't been outscored in a game since November 26th. In previous seasons, Winnipeg was always getting production from Mark Shifley, right? But they would lose a lot of his minutes in terms Mm -hmm. of him getting caved in at five on five or him getting outscored by the opposition. Um, And then I didn't even mention Connor Hellebuck, right? Like, He's having another Vesna-caliber season. And I think the biggest thing that I like about the Jets this year is that Hellebuck has been amazing, but I don't think he's like, he's just part of the package now, right? Like it isn't the same conversation of, well, if Hellebuck isn't a Vesna-caliber goalie, this team is toast. Like he's just a part of what's working really well for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think that's why I feel a little bit differently about them this season.
1: You know, the uh, the addition by subtraction line is, a, is an interesting one as well. You know, Blake Wheeler, uh, and listen, it's not exactly a secret that, you know, Blake Wheeler and Rick Bonus did not exactly see eye-to-eye. You know, uh, the stripping of the captaincy last season. Mm-hmm. Awkward in the room whenever that <laughs> happens. And, and then Almost Wheeler, forgot about uh, that you know, one. as you mentioned, now playing his trade. <laughs> yeah, now plying his trade with the New York Rangers, as you mentioned as well. Um, you know, the Pierre-Luc Dubois angle of it is is really interesting as well. Like, they've brought in, and, you know, actually, you know, there, there's one more thing that I want to add to this conversation about the Winnipeg yeah. Jets um, outside of Josh Morrissey enough? and maybe in, no, 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 there <laughs> was good, but it's a couple of things I want to color. In. He, he left me a, a, a couple of squares still to color in on. Um, mm-hmm. And it may be in a lower key here in a lot of ways, but I, I think that, you know, a lot of this is certainly Connor Hallibuck. Like this team does not allow more than three goals in a game. It just doesn't happen. And last night they blanked the blue jackets. Um, We all know about Josh Morrissey. I think even casual hockey fans will know the name Josh Morrissey. But then Mm -hmm. if you press a casual hockey fan and say, okay, name me one other defenseman on the Winnipeg Jets, some will know Neil Pionk, sure. How many will get to Dylan DeMello? How many will get to uh, Brendan Dillon? You will, but the point being, and listen, Absolutely. And, and Brendan Dillon, former WHL standout. The interesting thing about Dillon right now is, and it may not seem like a big number, but for that player, it's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Dillon DeMello has six goals. Or, sorry, Brendan Dillon has six goals this yeah. season. I know it may not seem huge, but for a player like Brendan Dillon, like in a lot of ways changing the way we see this player and listen he's on an expiring contract so great job uh, to to do it at 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 the right time but I really do think that this team's blue line is underrated and underreported now Rick Bonus, mm-hmm. I think will talk about you know the team commitment to defense, and it's not just the goaltender. It is the goaltender, but it's not just the goaltender. It's not yeah. just the blue line, but it is the blue line at the same time. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of really good underreported stories here with Winnipeg. Before we transition to um, to other teams here, and maybe Vancouver is the obvious one. When I if I would have told you the beginning of the season when we're all making our predictions because we're all so smart and we can tell mm-hmm. everybody exactly what's going to happen with pinpoint accuracy. If I told you that Haley, that you and I would be having this conversation on January the 10th, and we'd look at the standings, and Winnipeg would be number one, and Vancouver would be number two, Mm -hmm. what would you have said? Because that's the reality that everybody woke up to this morning.
0: Totally. Yeah. I think, you know, if you we were having the conversation in the summer, um, I'd be like, what do you mean? Like, what kind of trade did the Jets pull off? You know, like, who did they get for Mark Shifley? Yeah. I don't think I would have thought that they were doing this without having made, you know, some some massive changes. So I think that's a testament to the addition by subtraction. Like you said, Jeff, I think it's a testament to Rick Bonus, And <clears throat> you know, we're kind of seeing like the year two returns of what he's trying to instill Mm-hmm. With that team, right, and you talk about um, the better defensive game, you know, they have they have their expected goals against per 60, you know, which is not a perfect defensive stat, but it's improved this year from last year. The goals against per 60 is improved uh, year over year, and some of that is um, Connor Hellebuck, but a lot of that is, you know, based on the kind of shot attempts that they're allowing against and, and things like that. So I probably would have been confused. Mm-hmm. I'd have been like what, like, what are you talking about? What happened? I probably wouldn't have been as confused by Vancouver. I don't think that was a huge Canucks downer, although I I don't remember. I think I picked them to make the playoffs this year because I had the Canucks playing better than the Flames, Um, but I certainly didn't think that they'd be uh, second in the league. And they were one of those teams, too, where at what point are we going to stop talking about, like, ooh, regression's coming, like, it's January. What day is it today? It's the 10th. When are we going to stop having that conversation? Like, are we just going to start saying the Canucks are good? We probably should be.
1: You know, I think we're at the point of having the conversation about, you know, what are they going to add a trade deadline? You know, yeah, definitely. Be competing in a really tough division against a lot of really good teams as well, and I think if Vegas is the measuring stick in the Western Conference, as they should be, the Stanley Cup lives there, um, you say to yourself, okay, mm-hmm. what can Vancouver do to beat the Vegas Golden Knights in a seven-game series? Is it a Lindholm from Calgary? Is it a blank from somewhere else? Um, like right mm-hmm. now, Vancouver is just like, they look, they look like a, a machine, well-oiled yeah ripping into teams just like you just they just laid waste to new york like the devils yeah yeah see you later rangers see you later islanders last night yeah uh you know check check me out later like they they have been going through teams at at an impressive clip here uh and you may say to yourself you know don't mess with it right now like how many times have you seen a team you know a, a, a team's manager say you know what these guys are owed a trade And it turns out that the trade just messed everything up. Like, I'm sure there's a temptation just to say, you know, maybe add a depth defenseman for the run, because if you're going to go deep, you're going to need extra bodies. But, you Mm -hmm. know, are you part of the school of thought that says Vancouver really doesn't need anything as long as they're getting performances anywhere in the neighborhood of what they're getting specifically from Thatcher Demko?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but I drafted Thatcher Demko like 11th in the 11th round of my fantasy hockey pool. And I look like the smartest person at the athletic <laughs> right now. Honestly, uh, yeah, well, James done, James Myrtle, took Ilya Samsonov like two rounds earlier. And I will make fun of him for that at every chance I get, including on national radio. Uh, thank you for my employment, James. <laughs> that was like just a joke. Um, but Thatcher Demko has been incredible. I think, it's it's, um, it's a good debate to have, and I'd be so curious to know like how Canucks fans would feel. It seems like that would be something they'd maybe be divided on in terms of, like, do we want to add something? Do we not want to mess things up? Because, yeah, they're clicking uh, along really well right now. I do wonder, like, if we're looking at the Vegas Golden Knights as the measuring stick or um, kind of as the... It, it, the so NHL is a copycat league, right? So do we think that the Vancouver Canucks sure. are going to try to look at what Vegas did to win last year? And that was they had big bodies. They had a big, strong, like, bruising blue line, but they also had guys who could move pucks, right? Um, they also had a lot of depth. Like, that team had scoring from up and down the lineup, and their center depth was particularly impressive. So I do wonder if the Canucks do try to take a, a piece of that page. They already bring in Nikita Zadorov, who is, I think um, – You know, Nikita Zadorov, when he plays well, like he's on a third pair, right? He's the guy who can bring the big hit, but you don't want him um, overextended on a top pair or playing, you know, top PK, things like that. Like when Nikita Zadorov was very, very good in Calgary, he was on the third pair with Erica Branson in a Daryl Sutter system, and he was excellent. So I think having Zadorov as a third pair D for the Canucks makes sense, especially if you're looking ahead to the playoffs. Like he wreaked havoc on Calgary when he was on the abs. Um, that year when he asked, beat the flames in year one, like he was, he was like a single handed, like bully of the entire flames team, just a wrecking ball. So I think there's something <laughs> exciting about seeing that, um, again, in the playoffs, I wonder if they do anything. It is like a depth to center. Um, cause I'm looking at their lines right now and you know, it's, you got obviously JT Miller, uh, Pius Sutter. I mean, Pedersen was on the left wing, um, Teddy Bluger mm-hmm. like do you want to improve that depth up the middle do you want an Elias Lindholm or do you think that your second line with Sutter, Mikhaev and Kuzmenko are playing well enough and let's just keep them together like I don't know um, but I think if there was one maybe area that they could try to boost up it could be that depth up the middle because that was certainly something that Vegas had to offer last year.
1: They did, uh, and they could defend really, yeah. really well. And that's been sort of a consistency through all the, the recent Stanley Cup winners. And you could say, like, even stretching back even before um, – St. Louis, when they won in 2019. Like teams that defend well tend to win the Stanley Cup. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, whenever you and I chat, we always, you know, laugh about how the NHL likes to maintain that this is not a soap opera. Well, th- this is a soap uh,
0: opera. It is.
1: And this season <laughs> has been a soap opera all season long, and we're all along for the ride. Uh, it's been one of the most interesting and watchable seasons, both on and off the ice that I can recall um, of the most recent ones. Like it's funny. i mentioned, and we just had a conversation about Cole Perfetti a second ago and it was like five minutes ago. The soap opera mm-hmm. was, you know, Cole Perfetti V Ryan Hartman. And now that's on oh the God. back burner. That storyline is, yeah. is done with, and we've moved on whether it was the, uh, the culmination of the William Nylander sweepstakes Uh, Mm -hmm. In that contract situation, whether it's the most recent with Cutter Goche and Jamie Drysdale, uh, which soap opera storyline in the NHL, Haley, has caught your eye more than anything else?
0: I think the conversation that's been had around the Hartman-Cole Perfetti thing has been so funny to me. Like, I saw the debate that was on Hockey Night, um, and I kind of tweeted about it and, like, very quickly muted the replies. Because look, like the thing for me and I <laughs> kind of made this stance, like I am not one of those people who like I don't want to get rid of hitting in hockey. Like I that is I like the physical element. I love a lot of the things um it's, you know, the the physical element, you know, even I understand like wanting retribution on those cross checks to um kareel caprizov like what my problem is with that is the retribution on cole perfetti who had nothing to do with the situation and of course ryan hartman goes and and talks to um, mike russo and says like i don't know what he's talking about i didn't say that like it wasn't on purpose kind of thing so you can kind of believe who you want in that situation but that was my kind of take on it is like i understand the retribution like go after brendan Dillon. like make him answer the bell like i I know that the old school thing is, well, you got to go after one of their stars now. Um, But, you know, Cole Profetti is just trying to take a face off and he gets like smashed in the face with a stick. And I just I'm like, why? That's just why. So that was one that caught my eye. I think the Cutter Gauthier situation is just so weird. Um, Like we've seen players not want to sign with the teams that drafted them before. Like I covered the Calgary Flames for a few years. They still blew Adam Fox when he comes to Calgary. Right. Um, But he at least told the flames and then he told Carolina hurricanes after that. Right. Blake Wheeler did the same thing with, with Arizona, you know, years ago, this isn't a totally new thing, but what's new and different and strange is this kind of what the heck is happening type of response that we got from the flyers. Right. Saying that like, they still don't know why he refused to talk to them at world juniors. Um, I saw Elliot's report um, that there was maybe Like maybe what threw a wrench into the relationship was what happened after Boston college. And they maybe didn't want to sign him right after. Um, But even there, I'm like, I'm team flyers. Why would they potentially burn a year of a good young player's contract to make him join the very bad and dysfunctional 2022, 23 Philadelphia flyers. Um, So uh, it's just a weird one. And it's such a strange one because we're all going to speculate on this for a while until we eventually, or potentially, maybe we won't get an explanation of why he didn't want to be there. Like, maybe it's as simple as he didn't want to play in Philly. and But, but like, just say that. I don't know. It's just very strange. That's been, yeah. that's the newest uh, soap opera I'm looking at. I just keep reading everything and I'm like, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> just tell us. Well, we're not going to know until go- go- Gautier until know anything,
1: speaks. <laughs> just tell me what well, happened. Well, I mean, I I, th- I think that... There's, I mean there's a lot there's a lot out there I'm sure the temptation is out there for cutter gocha or for uh, Kurt overhart the uh, the advisor mm-hmm. to, to Uh while he's at BC he's the advisor when he turns pro he's the agent yeah, the business yeah. card flips both ways as we always sort of joke about <laughs> um, I, I, until gocha speaks like we're not gonna know officially like we all have but this is the thing like in, in absence of any concrete answer I think all we're gonna get is wild theories and wild tweets and wild speculation. And, you know, everyone will try to sort of sift through, you know, what's BS and, and what's actually there. But until we hear from Cutter Goche himself, and again, to your point, we may never hear from Cutter Goche on this one. He'll just say that, oh, that was a matter in the past. I'm glad to be an Anaheim duck. I'm not going to talk about my situation with Philadelphia. And that's yeah. it. Um, sure. So it might be one of those things where we never really officially find out or accurately find out uh, what happened with Cutter Goche and his decision. But one yeah. thing we do know for sure is you mentioned Adam Fox still getting booed in Calgary.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, even though he's never played a game in the NHL, Cutter Gauthier will forever be booed in Philadelphia. As oh, if that yeah. matters or not, I don't know. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Maple Leafs like, yesterday. More, I think Flyers um, fans are more ruthless and scary than Flames fans. So sorry to Cutter Gauthier.
1: I, I've, I've said it before, but like, the Flyers fans are some of my favorite fans <laughs> in the NHL. Yeah. Like you know what I'll tell you what you know what really burned them and really burned the organization like this was the, the 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 chaos that was last season at the end and I can understand the idea of not wanting to bring a young prospect into a chaotic situation um, mm-hmm. like I remember Brian Burke um, talking about uh, the Anaheim Ducks team and this was previous. To Anaheim winning the Stanley Cup and he would talk about having conversations with Berkey and he would always say like we weren't ready to bring in Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff at that time they were young our dressing room was a mess we needed to clean it up until before we brought these guys in and he said that he had conversations with both of them saying like sorry but we can't do this to you right now totally. let us take care of our business with this room and this situation and yeah. this and and this franchise right now, then we'll be ready for two first round draft picks, and that's what I keep yeah. coming back to with Cutter Gochi. Like I understand it, like that Richard, transition from, from Chuck Fletcher to one. Daniel like, Brie Why would
0: you? Yeah, why would you want to bring him in last year? Like it's not even the it's not yeah. even the burning the bridge element or not burning the bridge. Excuse me, burning the first year elements. Like let's just let's just figure it out. This is all very new. We're making some changes. Like we still value you. We like you. Like let's just give us a minute. And I respect that a lot. Like, I yeah. appreciate that. You would think that that would be, I don't know, I don't know, maybe it was a, It's again, it's one of those things we're, we're not going to know until we know. But if if that was what kind of poisoned the well a bit, I'm like, oh, I don't know, I agree with the Flyers the way that they did it, even though it didn't end well. Yeah. So.
1: It didn't, uh, but they got a really good defenseman, Jamie Drysdale, that I think they're really going to love, and he'll make his debut against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I was going to ask you about the Maple Leafs, but only got a couple of minutes left with you. So I want to ask you, now that we've seen, you know, we've all seen uh, at least one, most of us, um, (laughs) some of us have watched all of the PWHL games uh, so far. Tonight, we'll see uh, Minnesota and Toronto as well. It's probably too early to discuss trends or, you know, what we've seen or themes from what we've seen as well, but... What has been, you know, the, the the bigger story? Do you think coming out of the first handful of games here for the for the brand new league is it the physicality, which a lot of people have latched onto? A lot of mm-hmm. people have latched onto like, holy smokes, like they are going for it, like they are smashing, like all those things that people believed about women's hockey previous. And oh, it's Randy Johnson baseball, no hitter. It's it's, it's Roger Clemens, yeah. no hit ball. Like no, Not like the, the hitting has become a big story because I think it's totally. surprised a lot of people, and I think also mm-hmm. the crowds have surprised a lot of people as well. What do you take away so far after having, you know, watched and been part of the coverage from a lot of these games early on?
0: Yeah, I mean almost 3 3 million people watched that first game, you know. I like literally just responded yeah. to some troll on Twitter who I tweeted, you know, you know, I made a joke, my colleague, Dom, he does like different projections models in the NHL and he made one for the PWHL too. And I kind of made the joke, you know, women's hockey fans get to hate Dom now too. Uh, and you know, somebody responded like, (laughs) yeah, the two, the two women's hockey fans, um, you know, are going to be so excited. And it's just like enough, you know, I know they're just trolls, but like the, the proof is in the pudding, you know, almost 3 million people watched this game. Um, You know, I think if you compare it to the Winter Classic numbers in terms of, like, the average combined number, it was only a little bit um, off what the Winter Classic numbers were. If memory serves me correctly, you know, people care. Um, There's going to be new fans for this league as it continues to grow. And I think, you know, one of the takeaways for me is, you know, these games have been very good so far they've been competitive Mm -hmm. there's been a ton of skill um the minnesota boston game from last week like three just gorgeous goals from minnesota all like high blocker on aaron frankel they clearly did their research on a five foot five goalie um that's a big hole she drops down very easily and they exposed her with like just very like quick precision releases and that goes from like their top end, like Taylor Heisey, the first ever draft pick, power forward, Grace Sunwinkle, and then a third line forward, and Sophia Kunin, who, her Cunning, excuse me, um, you know, I think Minnesota's a great takeaway. They have a ton of depth, but, like, there's been so much skill on display already, as well as the physicality, um, and I think, mm-hmm. like, we're not even seeing their full potential yet. These teams just got put together, Jeff. Like, we're not talking about one or two yeah. UFAs joining, or one big trade. Like, we're not talking about um, one guy trying to get used to his new market, like everyone on the roster is getting accustomed and, and um, getting comfortable. They're figuring out lines and D pairs on the fly. Um, They're goalie tandems, different usage, all the right chemistry. So I think these games are just going to keep getting better as these players and these, um, you know, start getting more comfortable and these teams start clicking at all cylinders. So I think that's something that's like very exciting to me, is that these games have been very good. And these teams are so new and they're mm. only going to get better. Um, the physicality has been a huge one, as you mentioned. Um, I think the really funny yep. thing is um, a conversation I've seen a lot is people being like, your new rule book, it's awesome. And while that's true, the 3-2-1 point system is great. I love the jailbreak uh, goal rule. But like their rules in terms of <laughs> body contact are not different. It is the exact same rule as the yep. IHS international rule book in terms of body contact, which is you can, you know, play the body if you're trying to get possession of the puck. Like interference is still not allowed. Open ice hits still not allowed. But the difference is that the referees are calling that book better I think that's been a constant problem with IHF hockey is the gray area of like, you know, a player will try to rub someone out on the boards and it's a call and it's like, that's supposed to be allowed Like you have to let us play more. Um, And the PWHL really listened to that from players and they got referees who will call the book that way. Like they don't have IHF refs. They have American hockey league refs and the top tier um, hockey Canada and USA hockey refs. And there's been some inconsistency. I think some players have, um, You know, there's been some calls that should have gone either way. You know, what's a penalty one day? It might not be one the next is still a bit of an issue. But, like, it's still very early. So they're trying to work through some of the consistency. But for the most part, the players are really happy about this. I think the fans are really happy about it. I think it's great the fact that these players can play physical and and show how strong they are because it's never been a question that they can do it and play with body contact They've always wanted it. It was just Mm. a refereeing thing. So that's been a really nice highlight in in the first week is, is seeing the players get away with a little bit more.
1: So I'm going to ask you something. You may say, well, Merrick, that's a stupid question, but here I go anyway.
0: Mm, so oh this
1: has been, it's early on, it's a brand new league. So here we go. It's, it's going to all be about the firsts, right? Ella Shelton yeah. scores the first goal in the history of the league. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. the, the shorthanded jailbreak goal and uh, Emma Malte, like, bravo. Like, she's the first and she'll go down in history. Like, that is cemented. The, 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 the concrete is hardened uh, around her name and that goal specifically. If you were going to throw a dart and pick who will have the first fight in this league.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, who it be? fun. Oh, okay. I think oh, this is so hard. I think the very um, like <laughs> obvious answer, like I could see Abby Rock throwing hands for sure. Yes. Um she's pretty. Yep. Jesse Comfer is on Toronto, she's um team USA player, JT Comper's sister. Um, She's a bit of a, you know what, disturber. So I could see, I could see, and those two teams play a lot. And I remember watching the first game being like, I wonder if Abby and like Jesse Kahn for whatever fight, I know they're teammates on Team USA, so they probably (laughs) wouldn't. But like, they'd mix it up. Madison Packer gets into it a lot too, another New York player. That's one of the things Uh I think people are really going to like about New York. They have a lot of players who aren't afraid to to mix it up, not just in front of the net, but, um, you know. Just on open ice wherever they want. Um, oh gosh, I feel like it's a bit of a cop out answer, but I feel like I've got to say, like if there's someone who's going to fight it, it could be. I could see Abby Rock dropping the gloves in the PWHL. You know, it's funny
1: because I've 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 asked a few people that question, and you know what? The name that always comes up is Abby Rock. Who?
0: Oh, that's the one. I thought they were maybe going to say like maybe MVP. M-
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, Poulain and, and Hillary Knight are going to throw down next time my oh Montreal and Boston God. play. No, it's uh, the, the, the name that always comes back is, is Abbey Rock. But that would be yeah. something, eh? You want to talk about Spice and the Chili? Um, well, know, rivalry. Th- Okay, um I
0: think the low-key answer, I know Brienne Jenner. Brienne Jenner got into a fight with Casey Bellamy years ago with Team USA and Team Canada, and then they ended up on the same team in the Calgary Inferno. So, like, maybe Jenner... Got some fire in her still too. Maybe Jenner and Abby
1: Rock could throw down. Book it. All right, you sound answer. like uh, low rent Don Kings here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, trying to promote fights in the in the new yeah. PWHL. Uh, mm-hmm. On that, we'll exit. Uh, great job as always, Haley. Good conversation. Uh, we'll talk to you in seven days. You'll be good. Uh, enjoy Minnesota okay. and Toronto tonight. Yeah. Thanks.
0: Have a good one.
1: Haley Salvian from uh, Sportsnet, commentator here on hockey, whether it's uh, the NHL or PWHL, uh, part of the broadcast of the PWHL games as well, and a contributor, writer, slash, bon vivant person around town, the great Haley Salvian. When I first met Haley, she was an arena host for the Oshawa Generals. Now she's going to take all of our jobs. On uh, that, we'll hit a break. Uh, Greg Wyshynski coming up at the uh, beginning of Hour 2. Uh, also, Jay Harrison talks to us about an NHL Players Association initiative surrounding players and mental health. This is a great one. You're going to want to stick around for it. Uh, and Jay's always been one of the most thoughtful, even certainly when he played as well, uh, one of the more thoughtful hockey players you'll ever hear from. Uh, but joining me next, Matt Marchese, your tour around the NHL. I want to focus in on Buffalo, damn it. Breaking my heart again. Damn it. The Sabres, Devin Levi, Don Granado, Kevin Adams. We'll talk about that next. As the Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, Samuel Cast on Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your podcasts. Back in a moment.
3: Diving deep into Leaps, Raptors,
0: Jays, and NFL, the JD Bunkers Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Still to come, top of hour two, Greg Wasinski from ESPN. We'll stop by for MBSW Wednesday. And Jay Harrison. I always liked Jay Harrison when he played in the NHL, Whether he played for the Maple Leafs, Winnipeg Jets, Carolina Hurricanes. Always enjoyed Jay Harrison. I think he would have been one of the only guys ever to stop. Remember Brandon Sugden? I know I'm going deep on this one, folks. Anyone listening or watching remember Brandon Sugden? Sugar? The American Hockey League? So tough. Jay was the only guy that I saw at least take him to a draw. Anyhow, um, he's well past that in his life. Um, Jay Harrison now with the Players Association and a brand new mental health initiative uh, as launched earlier today. He'll talk to us a little bit about it. Some 20 players uh, have already been briefed on it and have done the, I don't want to call it a course, not exactly sure how to describe it, have had the talk, have done some of the work. Jay Harrison will explain in hour two. Uh, Meantime, tour around the NHL, and I want to get to the Buffalo Sabres here in a second Matt Marchese but first uh, Toronto Maple Leafs calling up Ilya Samsonov so he returns and we didn't even get a chance to see Dennis Hildeby actually get on the ice and stop a shot or do anything so that mystery still remains out there what is this guy like Uh, how good is he it's probably the right place for him to be obviously with the Toronto Marlies of the American Hockey League Uh, Samsonov called up uh, so he's back with the big squad Uh, At practice today, Matthew Nyes left the ice, uh, injured in a drill. We'll stand by to see... Uh, the extremes there, but so much of the conversation Maddie, this week around the Maple Leafs has revolved around William Nylander. Uh, we had Nylander Day on Monday. Uh, yesterday was Nylander and Marner Day uh, against the San Jose Sharks. It's one of those pad the stats day, uh, and it very much was. Uh, quick thought on what you've seen from the Maple Leafs so far this uh, this week, and your thoughts on the return of
2: Ilya Samsonov. Well, anytime you can put up a, a seven spot on an NHL team, I mean, that's pretty good. Although, it is the same- san jose sharks and they've lost 12 games in a row so it's not it's not really one to put up on the mantle um but it's always nice to have those types of games the samson on thing to me is is kind of interesting because this wasn't an on ice thing that they were concerned about and with goalies a lot i mean there's on ice things that they're worried about but this seemed like a very much between the ears issue with Ilya Samsonov. Yeah. And that is something that, what do, you know, the conversation about goalies being voodoo. And we didn't have this conversation about Ilya Samsonov last year. And it's one of those things that goalies, if you're not among the three or four elite ones, it's like you have one good year, one bad year, one good year, one bad year. You are a typical relief pitcher in baseball. And that's kind of huh. what it feels like right now. And so I'm curious to see what happens when he comes back because He's not going to be the guy that they're going to ride until Joseph Wall comes back because they can't, based on how Martin no. Jones has played. Um, and and there was a lot of talk about, you know, the signing of Martin Jones is like, oh, you're bringing in Martin Jones, like he was not good last year. And this, well, guess what? Martin Jones is good this year. So and thankfully the Leafs signed him and they were able to sneak yeah. him through waivers because imagine where they would be right now without Martin Jones. They would be playing as he's been affectionately yep. affectionately known, the Hilda Beast. At this point in the season and so you know it, it, yeah. thankfully for Martin Jones for the Toronto Maple Leafs
1: that's uh that Hildebeest debut is gonna have to wait here hopefully for a while I mean you know my thoughts on goaltenders and, and new goaltenders and rookie goaltenders and where they belong and how long they belong there and that's in the American Hockey League mm-hmm. or even the ECHL for for that matter um, and that's why I want to take this conversation with uh, with Devin Levi um, It's always tough. Uh, I don't think he belongs in the NHL right now. I never saw anything. Listen, Devin Levi was a fantastic college goaltender, amazing at Northeastern. He was fantastic. And last year at the end of the season, you know, had a couple of really good games for the Buffalo Sabres, and there's a lot of people there, I would imagine most notably the head coach Don Granato and the general manager Kevin Adams, that believe he can be the guy. But we've also seen a lot of players that have been damaged and specifically, goaltenders that have been damaged, even in the Buffalo Sabres organization itself, by being rushed to the NHL too soon. I have yet to see the goaltender that was ruined by being left in the American League too long, but I've seen the opposite too many times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're where we're at once again with Devin Levi. That was a tough one to watch yesterday. And I know, like a lot of times, the conversation on this program this season has revolved around problems with the Buffalo Sabres. And it almost could sound like I have it in for the Buffalo Sabres. Nothing could be further from the truth. I just pulled this out before the program. Back when I was seven years old, uh, going to Leafs games at Maple Leaf Gardens. So I grew up in Toronto and so the only two games we could see consistently on television were the Maple Leafs and the Buffalo Sabres, and I fell in love with the Buffalo Sabres. Nowadays, I don't really have a team that I cheer for. There are players that I cheer for, and there are teams that I have a, as I like to say, a soft spot for. And I have a real soft spot for the Buffalo Sabres. When I was seven years old, if you're watching on 360 right now, they used to sell these logos at Maple Leaf Gardens, and this was the first one that I bought. Maddie, look at that old, beautiful Buffalo Sabres logo. To me, this is That's one of the best designs in the history of sports. I know everyone likes the other Buffalo Sabres, the alternate jerseys, but I like the original. I love the yellow. I love the blue, how it mixes with the white and the buffalo and the swords and all of it. I always had a soft spot for the Buffalo Sabres. I have a soft spot for Buffalo Sabres fans specifically. And the unique thing about the Buffalo Sabres, where they're positioned geographically, they have great American fans and they have great Canadian fans. Fans, A Mm -hmm. lot of fans in St. Catharines. A lot of fans in Hamilton. Season ticket holders on the Canadian side of the border. I've always had a soft spot for this team that seems to consistently get false started. It's been false start after false start. And when I see what's happened to the Buffalo Sabres this season, I feel awful for those fans. I feel awful for a lot of the players um because this was not the way it was supposed to go this season like look i don't know if that game against seattle last night was the last nail in the coffin for the season for the buffalo sabres like they have a stretch here at home a two week stretch which i do believe is going to dictate the rest of the season and they got handled by seattle yesterday and and we saw devin levi have another tough night in the NHL. And I know Don Granato wanted to shrug it off yesterday as saying, well, these things just happen. You know, veteran players have nights like this. The thing is, this is a young goaltender. Let's not be so frivolous just to shrug off. Well, it happens to veterans too. This is someone who should be the cornerstone franchise goaltender for you for 10 years. Don't risk ruining him now just because you're of the belief that he can be the guy now. Like, there's a lot of problems with the Buffalo Sabres right now. Uh, I still think that one of the main problems is they have $10 million in Rochester or somewhere around there. Like, whether it's you know, Stillman or Bryson, you know, uh, they're, I want to say, probably $3 million between the two of them. They're playing in Rochester. While Ryan Johnson, again, another young player, uh, is on the Buffalo Sabres roster and not even playing every game on the back end. Like how he isn't in Rochester still is something that I shake my head at and I wonder about. You know, there's some salaries that are gonna jump next year for the Buffalo Sabres. Rasmus Dallin, Owen Power are both going to jump. It's gonna become more and more increasingly harder for Kevin Adams to fill out this team and take it to that next phase. If you're going to get there, you can't do it by rushing goaltenders into the NHL. And I really, I didn't buy for one second when they sent him down to Rochester and he went and played a couple of games in Belleville and then that was um, the miracle and he had suddenly been cured. He went to the, uh, you know, the, the, the goaltending lords and bathed in goaltending holy water and came back <laughs> and everything was fine now. Like that doesn't happen. The guy belongs in the American Hockey League, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not an insult. That's just what you need to do with goaltenders. Quit trying to make this work. It's not going to, and this team is not going anywhere, and all you're going to do is wreck this goalie. Agree or disagree?
2: Agree. And the comment about, well, veterans have nights like that, well, They've been in the league a long time and they know how to handle adversity. And here's the other thing that's happened more than once for Devin Levi this season. It's not just a, Hey, it's just a one night thing. Like this is a multiple night thing with Devin Levi and not that he's not going to have a future. Like let's not write off a goaltender this early into his career. And that's not what we're doing here, but he needs to learn how to be a pro There are other positions that are, you know, like a forward learning how to be a pro at the NHL level, even a defenseman to a lesser degree than a forward, um, to me is fine. But for a goaltender to learn how to be a pro with all the pressure that you already have on you, I I don't see the value in rushing these guys to the NHL. I really don't. And as it pertains to the Sabres and going forward here, like the Sabres feel... A little bit like the Toronto Maple Leafs in the sense that they're paying a lot of guys before winning a thing. And at least least in Toronto, the guys that they were paying, they had gotten to the playoffs. The guys in Buffalo haven't gotten to the playoffs. Not with the Sabres anyway. Like, yes, Alex Tuck got to the playoffs and and went far in the playoffs with the Vegas Golden Knights not with the Toronto Maple Leafs, or with the Buffalo Sabres, sorry. And that's kind of the problem that you run into with these, you know, we have all these really good young players, and they're all coming up at the same time and getting these contract extensions. You run yourself into a lot of trouble. I'm very curious to see what the Sabres do going forward the rest of the year here. I think you're right. This two-week stretch is going to determine a lot for this season. Maybe this season, but certainly for the immediate future of this organization.
1: I don't know if there's another general manager that would let this continue to happen. The situation with Levi.
2: What like do you think the hesitancy can be so is good then, Jeff? For so
1: long. I think that they I, I think that whether it's Kevin Adams or Don Granada or the coaching staff really believe, they really believe in um, in Devin Levi and think that he's there. Everybody else, whether you're a fan, whether you're the you work in media, whether you're like Other teams, like, trust me, I've had other conversations with other teams about, like, what are they doing with Devin Levi? Like, what are they thinking? Like, this guy could be fantastic for so long. Mm -hmm. And they're not going through any sort of traditional development model. And I'm not one that says you have to stick with something just because it's been done before. But when it's not working at the NHL level with an 889 save percentage for a young goaltender, Who's going to be hopefully the future of your franchise? Running them out there every single night to get peppered with pucks and beaten down as your team continues to get beaten down. Put them in the American Hockey League. Like, that's the tried and true model. Like, look around the entire NHL. You know who goes right from college to the NHL and stays there? nobody yeah nobody does that not at that position folks not at that position it's 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 disheartening it's tough to watch we all expected more from the buffalo sabers and i understand like developments of bunny
2: hop i get it but not like this they not weren't like far this. out of the playoffs last year, Jeff. Um, What's that? They weren't far out of the playoffs last year, and they're going to be it's seemingly a lot further out this year. So that, I, I see why we all thought that there was going to be a jump here.
1: Uh, upper body injury, by the way, for Jeff Skinner. Uh, he'll have an MRI, I believe, sometime next week. Uh, so that's another log on the fire with the, with the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, okay, Maddie. Mm-hmm got you here in this segment so let's do this time now for line change presented by sports interaction your homegrown sports book bet local what are you eyeballing this evening around the nhl
2: so i went with the abs uh the other night and i was not disappointed because that game between boston and good colorado game. was great um, oh, so let's go back to the well game. here golden knights at avalanche Buck okay. line is avalanche minus one and a half the total has gone under in the last five games between these two teams in Colorado and six of the last seven overall. Colorado is eight and one in their last nine home games, and Nathan McKinnon can tie Joe Sakic's home point point scoring streak record <laughs> with a point in his twenty third straight game. Try and yeah. say that five times fast.
1: Wasn't Gretzky's like forty? Forty. Wasn't Gretzky's home record forty, which yeah. is like essentially the season. <laughs> that
2: a, home, a home season, which yeah, is basically. Just-
1: at uh, this another one of these like ridiculous Gretzky numbers like look like I know um, Vegas has at times hit a speed wobble I mean coming off of the uh, the winter classic which is probably the worst game we've seen Vegas play all season long to getting beaten by the Florida Panthers big win against the Islanders uh, you hope that's turned things around for the Vegas Golden Knights but I'll just say it like outside of net mining the Avalanche are just flat out a fun team to watch Um, And whether it's, you know, Rantanen, who continues to be the underreported great player in the NHL, uh, to Nathan McKinnon, who finally may win the Hart Trophy this year, and rightfully so, um, this is a great team to watch. Like, uh, there's no love lost between these two teams as well. Like, Vegas has always been kind of kryptonite for Colorado. I'll tell you, man, I would love, 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 love to see a seven-game series between these two. But then again, I say that a lot about Vegas teams. Minnesota, L.A., Edmonton, when they were good, San Jose. Vegas tends to bring out the best in teams. We'll see what happens tonight. I don't expect anything other than the best from the avalanche. That was Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local.
0: Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the
3: SportsNet Radio Network.
1: Thanks as always for joining me today, whether you're listening across the uh, Sportsnet Radio Network or watching on Sportsnet 360. I, uh, I thank you as always. And if you are a fan of or just watched Jay Harrison play in the NHL, Uh, One, you know he was uh, an outstanding defenseman, and two, you knew he was one of the most thoughtful players in the Players Association when he was part of it. So it should really come as no surprise that Jay is front and center uh, at the official launch of something called First Line, which is uh, an education and leadership program put together by the NHL Players Association looking to both develop and strengthen NHL PAA members' mental health knowledge and skills as well. Dr. Jay Harrison joins me now. Jay, how are you? Good to, hear, good to hear your voice again.
3: I'm very well. Thanks, Jeff. It's awesome to see you again.
1: Yeah, listen, um, I'll tell you, you know, I've got, you know, you were one of my favorite players to cover. Uh, I always thought you were one of the, the more thoughtful players in the NHL at the time. Um, there's there's only was actually to be honest with you Jay there was only one time where I ever thought like what is Jay Harrison thinking and that's when you were playing in the American League and you were fighting Brandon Sugden of the Syracuse Crunch I'm like Jay you're tough we get it but like what's going through your mind here what are you what are you doing um, before we get to a little look back at your career as well uh, tell us about first line how you came to be part of it and you know what your background is in, in helping players this way
3: yeah you actually captured it beautifully Jeff Uh, Really, uh, my work in consultation with the NHLPA started a number of years ago, uh, but really emphasized and focused on how we can do more player-driven things, things that enhance the quality of life for our players, uh, both for themselves and for their families. And naturally, with uh, my experience, education and expertise in mental health, certainly that was an area uh, that was worth exploring. So we took a lot of time talking to players, understanding about their experiences, you know, learning about what might be valuable, where does the NHLPA fit into that particular picture and how can we go about enhancing and supporting Mm. some of those needs. And through those conversations and feedback from our players, we recognized players talk to players a great deal. Uh, Many players who have been open with their mental health challenges have said the first person they've told is a teammate. Many players talked about that, you know, I, I would love to do more to support my teammates. I'm just not sure what to say or how to do it. And the light bulb went off uh, for our health and wellness committee here at the PA. And we said, what are we doing to enhance those conversations? What can we do to promote them and maximize them? Our players have great resources, you know, whether it's through their clubs, through the Players Association, or through their own individual personal benefits that have been negotiated for them. Their access to care isn't a problem, but connecting players to that, recognizing the need for it and facilitating that care is something that we we really identified Mm -hmm. as an area. contribute to. So that's really the goal of our first line is, you know, what if we had a leadership group amongst our memberships, a few members in each locker room, and it doesn't just have to be on one team. Our players have tons of connections. Some of them just train together. Some live in the same communities, some cross paths at different points throughout their careers. You never know what player you might be able to support or have an interaction with. It's not just a club-based thing, but what if we had across the league in the dressing rooms, you know, a handful of players who have demonstrated a willingness and an interest to learn a little bit more about mental health, how to talk about it, and most importantly, have the courage and leadership capabilities to be visible representatives of that and say, if you need someone to talk to, or you wanna bounce some ideas off, or you're not sure who you might wanna talk to based on what you're experiencing, I'm available to have that conversation. I may not have all the answers. I'm not supposed to have all the answers. I'm just a teammate. Uh, But maybe we can get you very quickly to someone who has those answers and be more proactive in that care.
1: In conversation with Jay Harrison, part of the first line program uh, as put forth today by the NHL Players Association, Um, you know, it's interesting the way that um, uh, society evolves and hockey evolves along with it as well. You know, once upon a time, you know, I've always felt, let let me phrase it this way, Jay, I've always felt that the phrase, don't be a distraction, has been one of the most harmful things that we've ever heard uh, in and around hockey. I believe that has kept players from feeling comfortable enough um, to coming out, uh, to players feeling uncomfortable talking about their feelings and their challenges uh, and where they're headed mentally. When you look back to when you played Um, you know, how much of a resource could this have been for you? Could this have been for players around you? Because I really do think that we've come a long way, still not at anywhere close to an end goal. But I think as society has progressed to talk more about mental health challenges, hockey has been there as well. Uh, But take us back to to your career and and the time that you played. Um, Could you have used this? Could teammates around you have used this as well?
3: you you make such a great point and don't be a distraction uh I've never phrase it that way but it is is really on point I think of it in the same way any attention is negative attention uh even if sometimes it's positive mm-hmm. you see a yeah. player have a great you score three goals and our first comment usually is the goalie played great um you know so just that idea and that that cultural belief that that any uh any attention is negative attention uh, and we we're reluctant to bring any attention especially uh if it's on a topic like mental health which could be stigmatized you know for my career i i feel like part of that is my lens that, that which i see the world is i, I don't only really see it as as the clinician um or as a researcher i also see it as player i can't i unsee what i've seen i can't un uh, you know unexperience what i've experienced so i feel like that gives me a very unique perspective to not only say all right how does this fit and align with uh you know what we're trying to do along you know a, a mental health strategy but then how does this align and fit in with a player's lived experience so from from my days i absolutely could have benefited on both sides of this you know having a better opportunities or being more encouraged to be open with my teammates but then also having that confidence to engage them more directly on maybe some of the the signs and symptoms mm-hmm. i might have seen in other players um oftentimes what we really want to do is is encourage players to just talk, and one of the things you hear that's always very challenging, you'll hear that someone has been struggling for a really, really long time, and, and they were so good at hiding it, nobody knew, uh, and they they were reluctant to come forward, and, and were very very good at hiding how difficult their experience had been, and oftentimes you hear, I wish I had known, I wish someone, you know, would have told me, or you would have told me you were going through this, I would have done anything to support you. Uh, So the way we're really talking about that is being proactive and, you know, modeling that behavior is being open with our teammates and having that confidence and understanding that our mental health is an experience that's always in motion and being more open and direct with our teammates about our own experience can be can be very helpful in modeling for someone what might be a very effective outreach behavior or peer to peer behavior.
1: Um, How many players so far in the uh, Players Association have taken part in this?
3: So far, we have a great response. We started delivering the training in uh, mid-November, offering it to some, uh, some players around the league. We've had oh, uh, pl- 20 players who have currently completed the okay. training. Uh, the feedback has been uh, great. The engagement uh, is awesome for these guys to make time and prioritize. Uh, doing a, a, a mental health workshop uh, during their season, I think, really is telling to the importance of it. Uh, and the conversations are incredibly engaging. There's always something new that comes up. Everyone usually has a unique reason for why they've uh, decided to take uh, the course. And uh, some guys are just really interested in learning and listening uh, and gaining more perspective on mental health. So those are all the things that I think are really, really inspiring and get us very, very excited about the future.
1: Has there been much feedback from players who, how am I going to phrase this, Jay, who may have been unaware that they have certain mental health challenges just because they've grown up in a a very specific hockey environment that doesn't sort of allow you to think about things like, okay, so what are the signs that I'm having problems with mental health? They've just sort of grown up around with it and figured, well, this is part of the package. This is what comes along with being a professional athlete. It's never been seen as something other than what is normal. Is there any feedback like that?
3: Yeah, there definitely is. And that was part of the process of developing first line and some of the feedback and information we got from players through having conversations with them is that oftentimes players have a limited awareness about what might be happening and the severity of the the symptoms they're experiencing. Uh, And they're still able to function at a high level and meet the demands of their their profession and their career, but, but aren't necessarily living uh, well or thriving through that experience. Um, and you touch on an interesting part as well, is that the trajectory in, of becoming a professional athlete inherent to that is sacrifice. And I think that's what makes that stigma pervasive and mm. sometimes limits our ability to identify that uh, what I'm experiencing may may not be normal and may require some more assistance, right? We've, we sacrifice everything to become athletes. We, that starts at an incredibly young age, uh, and becomes part of the package. So oftentimes you get players who have reached a high level, uh, are concerned about the stigma and opportunity costs that might come. With speaking about their mental health to someone. Uh, and it, you know, ultimately leads to living with, you know, more struggle and in silence, oftentimes unnecessarily. The second way we tackle this, so Jeff, which I think is really, really important, is that engaging in mental health conversations is not always a reactive be- behavior. We don't have to have a mental health conversation because something is wrong. Right. We're looking at this as right. an opportunity to enhance right. and benefit our mental health. We live our mental health. Right, and we can contribute to. We can be active participants in our own mental health, which includes, hey, I'm doing well today. I'm gonna continue to feel well and do things that allow me to sustain that experience of well-being.
1: You know, Kelly Rudy is such a um, uh, such a wonderful person and is a, a, a real leader when it comes to, to taking care of mental health and taking care of people around him. And, you know, a big proponent of, you know, checking in on yourself and, and the people around you as well. And it's interesting, Jay, that you used the word stigma uh, a couple of seconds ago. just And I don't think you'd mind if I tell this story. Just a, one funny interaction that you and I had. This would have been back in... Uh, 2005 maybe 2006 I was living in the the east end of of Toronto in the beaches area and uh, I was walking down Queen Street near Woodbine and I bumped into you and you had your yoga mat with you and you're like, yeah, Maddie Nichol told me I should take yoga, but don't say it to anybody. I don't want the other guys to know uh, that I'm doing yoga as well. I mean, guys go and lift, right? That's what, that's what guys do. Don't tell them that I'm doing, uh, that I'm doing yoga. Um, what are some of the other sort of, you know, stigmas that, you know, you think players need to be, that's such a trivial one now, but what are some of the stigmas you think players need to start to get over for, the, for their well-being and their, and their mental health?
3: Well, one of them that's really, really important to me is how we cultivate and develop ourselves outside of the game. Uh, Oftentimes, we grew up with the stigma uh, that if you're not all in, you're out. Uh, And commit everything into Mm. this career, short career, only be a hockey player. Just focus exclusively and intensely on this part of us, uh, on this part of your your identity and your experience. And I actually found that that was very counterproductive to my mental health. I found it very actually counterproductive to Mm. my performance. As a player, uh, I found great strength and resilience and actually found my education as a performance enhancing investment. It allowed me to take more positive experiences and emotions to the rink and to just play the game the way it's meant to be played. Uh, keep it fun, uh, you know, not have too much invested in the natural ebbs and flows and ups and downs of the season. So one of the things we're also really doing, and this is closely tied to, is our Limit program at the NHLPA, where uh, we're enhancing and supporting the professional development of our players beyond the game. Uh, And we know not only from, you know, the the body of research that's out there, but also our work, uh, my work specifically as well, that we see players who do more outside the game actually have an elevated psychological experience. Their mental well-being is generally higher. And we account that to having a greater uh, number of resources, a greater network, what we call that relatedness and self-efficacy created through competence in things other than your sport so one of the things with the stigma we really want to get over is that transition starts when your career ends uh and in fact that right. that couldn't be far from the truth and you often miss a number of amazing developmental opportunities as an nhl player to leverage your platform and exposure um, and, and enhance your performance and well-being at the same time it really is a win-win uh, and something that we're continually messaging and continuing to see and have you know actually validated back to us through our player experiences as well. Uh, we're athletes and, uh, and we encourage all of our players to be engaged in that way uh, and to tell those stories.
1: You know, I, I'm going to ask something here that probably I don't have uh, you know by the authority of time on this program enough time to deal with, but I am curious about how. Professional athletes, for the purposes of this show, hockey players, feel about their brains. Um, You know, I've always tried to make the distinction with people that, you know, you can't treat, you know, uh, a a brain injury like a leg injury. You know, your, your limbs are part of you, but your brain is you. Do players understand, by and large, and I'm painting with a wide brush here, do they understand that distinction? Or do they think about their brains the same way they think about their arms or their legs or their feet or their hands?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I think where you're, you're getting around is, you know, how do we connect our physical experience, which we tend to be very, very open to talking about. I sprained my ankle, I pulled my groin, things like that. Yes. How do we talk about yes. things that happen psychologically or emotionally in a similar context. And you make a great point is that, no, they're not in, uh, it's not a a direct comparison. We can take an X-ray and see a bone has healed, um, or we can do a certain range of motion tests to to determine that an injury is healed. Mental health occurs on a continuum, although we are starting to see, you know, relating directly to the brain, we are starting to see, you know, actual physical and physiological signs of, you know, potential mental health. But for the most part, uh, they're experienced. In a way that ebbs and flows through through our lives, but the important part of that is that mm. while mental health and physical health may have some shared, but also unshared, um, components, we treat them the same. In that we get the responsive and appropriate care based on what we are experiencing. Yes, we may recognize that battling through, you know, some confidence issues may be appropriate to still continue in battle. And there there are some things that we can do to enhance and reset and elevate our well-being there. But we wouldn't certainly ask anyone to skate on a broken foot, right? We would treat a broken foot as a broken foot appropriately, right? So better understanding and making that connection between our physical and mental health is critically important. There's an appropriate Mm -hmm. treatment and course of treatment based on what you're experiencing we need to be honest and vulnerable with what we're experiencing in order to get that care
1: jay it's so good to connect with you again um clearly players are in good hands uh with you and uh the first line education and leadership program uh announced today by the nhl players association uh you be well uh let's check back regular uh you be good we'll we'll catch up soon my friend
3: thank you very much you as well jeff be well
1: uh, the uh, that's Jay Harrison, uh, who by the way we should mention as well uh, did his degree in psychology and then did a master's uh, in clinical psych as well. Um, as you can tell, Jay is uh, very well spoken, uh, such a thoughtful person. But you know, it's in in some cases rare, rare that someone who is as thoughtful um, as Jay Harrison is. You know, couples that and this is true. Like I mentioned, Kelly a couple of seconds ago, Kelly Rudy's the same way. Like you know, he has, has the 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 ability. Um, to marry intelligence and compassion. Uh, and that only goes one direction, and that is a very positive one. Uh, thanks to Jay Harrison for stopping by. Uh, thanks to Greg Wachinski for stopping by. And thanks for the uh, the great Haley Salvian uh, for a tour around the NHL world and the uh, also the uh, Players Professional Hockey League, the... Uh <laughs> it's funny, too. It's talking about fights uh, in the Women's League with Haley, I thought it was great in both coming back uh, to the same player. Uh, Haley covers is a PWHL uh, for Sportsnet, uh, for the other telecom, and for CBC as well. Always good hearing from Haley. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Merrick show returns tomorrow, noon Eastern, 9 Pacific. Back in 22 hours.